Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our fourth and final part of our current event in weekly Bible study for 2-22-09, February 22nd, 2009. And we're going to continue with the um, article by Dr. Dixon, President Bush Seizes Faith-Based Churches, regarding this Executive Order 13397 that was signed on March 7, 2006, which literally turns the churches that have taken faith-based funds over to the clutches of the, the Department of Homeland Security. More proof of what we've just talked about. This executive order, 13397, uh, defines the church as a governmental agency. Now, it always was, if you're 501c3, if you're yoked up with this. But now it's coming out. And this is, um, that was a quote. Church as a governmental agency. By the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, and in order to help the federal government coordinate a national effort to expand opportunities for faith-based and other community organizations and to strengthen their capacity to better meet America's social and community needs, it is hereby ordered as follows. Section 1. Establishment of the Center for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives at the... Let me turn the page here. At the Department of Homeland Security. The Secretary of Homeland Security shall establish within the Department of Homeland Security a Center for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives. And this is uh, was signed by George W. Bush at the White House. Now, this is comments by Nancy Levitt. She says, in case you missed it, now I skipped over a lot because it's all legal ease, okay? And, and again, I don't like reading legal ease stuff. It's confusing enough, but I skipped over a lot. And then it has Nancy Levitt's comment. In case you missed it, the separation of church and state is gone with the stroke of a pen. Well, again, this was started a long time ago, okay? Um, with the corporate yoking of the modern-day church with the government. Okay, but she's saying it's gone with the stroke of the pen. As of March 7, 2006, our nation's illustrious illustrious leader, that's tongue-in-cheek, signed another executive order which tied the Department of Homeland Security to our leader's faith-based churches. Wake up, all you non-profit churches. You now serve the federal government. Federal government's primary spying agency, Homeland Security. That is now your primary function. <laughs> How stupid and positively corrupt can you possibly be to take money and to exchange in exchange for manipulating your flock, flocks of, she says, idiot sheep to the national slaughter. I don't want to say that idiot part. You know why? Because if somebody's caught in this mess and they're listening to this, and I start. Uh, what's the word I want to have here? I, I start calling them idiots and, and um, villainizing them, vilifying. You're not going to want to listen to me. You're not going. You're going to totally turn off. Okay, he's insulting me now. I'm not even going to listen. I don't want to do that. I was there. I'm not judging you. Okay? I'm not judging you. I'm just saying this is this is important stuff here. I think we have to be careful how we word things. And I know I've been guilty 
of putting my foot in my mouth many times. I've been guilty recently. I let something slip by in a newsletter. I didn't say it, but it was in there, and it was a profanity word, and I missed it. Copied and pasted it off from a source. There's, There's people that are out there that do most of the work. Let it slip by. I'm not perfect. I've never said I was. Okay, but I do apologize. But we, we want to be careful because most of the people are in this boat. And if you go and you just get in their face and, and they've never even heard this before, you're going to turn them off and, and they're, the, uh, the, there's a good likelihood they're never going to come over to your way of thinking, ever. Um, so, going further, it says, and you will, um, she says, and you will spy on your flock and provide reports to your new master. She's saying this to the pastors. Remember that faith-based churches are now governmental agencies. Well, they always were. Okay, Just like the public schools, mainline media, and all the mass communications, etc. Okay, and again, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, you got a ton of organizations out there that are 501c3 agencies. First Church of Satan, Wicca, White Witchcraft. Hey, you're in their boat. She goes on to say, um, in exchange for money, have you agreed to pacify and organize your flock in the event of a national emergency? You certainly have, for you have been ordered to do so. Now remember, there is a PDF attached to this teaching that lists a cavalcade of other confirming Articles regarding this whole subject that we're talking about today. I added some of what we're, we've talked about in the study to that. But I mean, if you want to get your boat loaded, just click on the PDF and start going through it. If this hasn't already convinced you, I've never seen anybody be able to refute the information in there. It's It stands on its own merit. I mean, this is just a... There's just no way it can really be refuted. It's just facts. Uh, so going further, it says, um, in exchange for money, have you agreed to pacify and organize your flock in the event of a national emergency? You certainly have. For you have been ordered to do so. You are being told what to do when more crisis hits the nation. See, they got to have the church on their side when all this stuff starts to go down. And they will. They'll be on board. They'll be good little Nazis. Most of them. Not all. Most of them will. Then he says, We know more disasters will hit our nation as well as is now playing right down to our, quote, weather emergencies. All of this is providing training and relocation exercises for the real crisis to come. The one that permanently collapses the Constitution of America. Well, I would say that Constitution's pretty much already been collapsed. We're just in the staging areas right now for the Antichrist to make his big debut. And the events leading up to that will bring about that. Um, will help bring that to fruition. This next article is entitled The Lesser of Two Evils by Marty Tate, is who is the pastor of Peaceful Valley Baptist Church in Rising Fawn, Georgia. In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul answers the charges of his critics that he was preaching a form of license under the liberty, under the guise of liberty. Okay, so, in Romans chapter 3, Paul answers his critics, 
accusing him of preaching a form of license under the guise of liberty. Paul uses a line of argumentation called reduction to absurdity. According to Wikipedia, this abduction to, to uh, reduction to absurdity is a type of logical argument where one assumes a claim for the sake of argument and derives an absurd or ridiculous outcome and then concludes that the original claim must have been wrong as it led to an absurd result. Romans 3.8 says, And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Essentially, Paul's opponents were saying that Paul preached that one should do evil that good may come from it. Paul shows this line of reasoning to be an absurdity by proving all under sin. Again, all under sin. Then he says, I want to borrow that phrase, let us do evil that good may come. In application to the prevailing notion that one must vote for the lesser of two evils. Because you hear a lot about this in the, the elections and stuff. Well, I know he's evil, but I've just got to vote for him. Because Obama's really evil. So we vote for the lesser of two evils. Christians probably use this flawed argument more than any other segment of the American electorate because Christians must continually give up ideological ground when it comes to the support of Republican political candidates. The argument goes something like this. Candidate R is not all that great. In fact, he is really weak on issues A, B, C, and D. However, if we don't vote for candidate R, then candidate D will win the election and we will all know that candidate D is really scary. When the possibility is raised of a third-party candidate, this argument switches to something like this. I really like Candidate 3, what he stands for, but he has no chance of winning. So if I vote for Candidate 3, I am wasting my vote. In fact, if I vote for Candidate 3, it will be the same as voting for Candidate D, since it will siphon votes away from Candidate R. I know Candidate R is not really what the country needs, but Candidate D really is. This is this let us do evil that good may come prop. Um, proposition. That is, let us vote for an acknowledged, although supposedly lesser evil, so that the supposedly greater evil won't win. This path has led America consistently to be left for at least the last 50 years. The lesser evil has become progressively more evil, so that we have arrived at the lesser of two evils. The flaw in this logic is twofold. Number one, God's people are never required or commanded in Scripture to do the lesser of two evils. We are commanded to do what is right, period. Number two, under the lesser of two evils argument, we may only vote for whichever candidate has a chance of winning the election. And again, I've stated this many times before, the election processes, particularly at that level, are totally rigged in America anyway. That's been proven. Um, I've got all type of... Re just go up on... Um, go to votescam.org. Uh, Blackboxvoting.org. Uh, do the um, YouTube search for the HBO documentary on um, vote fraud. <laughs> I mean, HBO even did one. So flagrant. But then he goes on to say, to put it another way, how evil would a candidate have to be, dear reader before you refused to vote or voted for a third-party candidate. Since Senator John McCain has emerged as a presumptive Republican nominee, it has been almost comical to watch conservative and even Christian conservative commentators, 
talk show hosts and ministry heads tout McCain as a conservative hope for this election. McCain is so liberal that a few years ago, there was talk of him leaving the Republican Party and even talk of a possibility of being the vice president uh, for the Democratic presidential candidate. McCain is a lot of things, but conservative is not one of them. Now, again, I'm reading this because this came up a lot during this election, and I just think it's kind of noteworthy to, to add in here as part of this particular newsletter. And then he goes on to say, in fact, I believe that McCain's presidency would be as dangerous as or more dangerous than Barack Obama for the simple reason that conservatives will go to sleep when a Republican is in office. That's true. I will say one thing about this, Barack Obama being in office right now. If you listen, uh, I was driving up to um, Tampa the other day from where I was coming from, and I was listening to some of these conservative talk shows. Okay, on the right. Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. Now, I, I normally can't even stand listening to Sean Hannity for five minutes. Michael Savage. Sean Hannity is like the New World Order poster boy. But it's really weird, because like now I can listen to these guys. They don't offend me near as much. Because I will say this. They are definitely vehemently against Barack Obama. Okay, before when Bush was in office because he was a quote Republican, they were very close lipped on a lot of issues and really to me a lot more hypocritical when I would listen to them. It would just made me. But now at least they're really united against Barack Obama. Now, they're very concerned about this fairness doctrine that they're trying to already implement. Barack Obama has already done more things in office now. It's just mind-boggling to me, all the legislation he's trying to push through. He really is trying to be a change agent. Now, I understand. He's on the same team Bush was on. He's working for the devil. His father is the devil, and of his works he will do. He is taking orders from his handlers. They're going to make things much more aggressive. They've been in a, quote, conservative mode for eight years, although it hasn't been really conservative. There's been a lot of draconian uh, legislation implemented. Okay, but... Barack Obama is going to really, really, really step it up a notch. You combine that then with the global economic collapse, with possibly something like an avian flu outbreak, outbreak, some type of biological attack, maybe a false flag nuclear event, maybe a huge national uh, uh, natural disaster, earthquake on the west coast, Yellowstone caldera blowing. Who knows? Who knows? Remember, the Lord has to permit it to happen, though He's on the throne. But when you have that in conjunction with this ultra-liberal devil that we have in office right now, you've got a really bad scenario. I will say that these talk show hosts are pretty much united against Barack Obama. How long, supposedly, he's going to let them get away with that, I don't know. He's going to probably be the first ones that they're going after. Michael Savage said the other day, now again, I'm not advocating Michael Savage or Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh. I'm not doing that. I mean, Laura Matreya is advertising his commercials on Rush Limbaugh. Uh, we've got into that, okay? Now, I'm not saying Rush Limbaugh's on the air promoting him, but his commercials were on there. Ultimately, I understand there, as far as I'm concerned, ultimately, this is the Hegelian dialectic, Okay? You've got one side supposedly opposing another side, and then they achieve synthesis, which is the ultimate goal of the New World Order. They're still moving you toward the same goal, though. 
But they're talking a lot about this fairness doctrine, which if this fairness doctrine is passed, will severely limit the right of free speech in this country. And it will take people like Michael Savage, Sean Hannity, and probably Rush Limbaugh off the air very quickly. Um, since what I'm talking about is really much more radical than Michael Savage or Sean Hannity or any of these other guys from a biblical standpoint. I'm paying attention to this because this does have a lot to do with my ministry, ultimately. Okay, Now, I'm not telling you to send money into them or help them, but I am glad to see that they're bringing this issue up with this fairness doctrine and that they are going to fight it tooth and nail. Uh, Michael Savage in particular said he was going to, he's already got a legal team. They know they're going to be, that Obama's going to try to get him off the air. They know it. So, again, you have to take this all with a grain of salt and understand that, that there's puppet masters out there and things of this nature. But it is interesting, uh, and I am glad to see that they are, I mean, as, as much as the fervor is to Barack Obama. They took a poll the other day in America. It was all over the news. Barack Obama is now considered higher than Jesus Christ. I'm not making this up. That's exactly what the poll said. I saw it on the, on the news. Barack Obama is now more popular and more, considered more of a hero than Jesus Christ in America. How... You talk about the Lord Jesus Christ being long-suffering. I can't even comprehend His long-suffering. I'll tell you, man, when, when, when judgment falls on this country and, and as horrific as all the, the prognosticators have been, it will be justified. It will be. I know I couldn't have held, held back as long as the Lord Jesus Christ has held back. I couldn't do it. If I was God, I, it wouldn't be a good thing. <laughs> it really wouldn't. I don't want to be God. I don't. Unfortunately, a lot of people do. And that's the big temptation from Satan. It was the first temptation in the Garden of Eden. You shall be as gods. It's the big temptation of the New Age. And the New Age movement, which is what is coming as the essence of the one world religion. Witchcraft, New Age. It's what's coming. It's what we should be expecting. The Bible says the Antichrist will cause craft to prosper in his hand. Witchcraft. I've proven that with other studies I've done. So, um... Just a lot of interesting things going on right now. So if we go further, uh, we're back to this article. When Bill Clinton was president, there was a flurry of activity among Christians and conservatives writing letters to Congress, lobbying for good legislation and against bad legislation. Clinton couldn't get away with much without a load of outcry. Now, again, I've done a whole study on the avian flu on the Internet that I highly advise you watch. I did a 14-city tour about three years ago. And in that tour, it was about the avian flu. And it wasn't just about the avian flu. The avian flu is one of the things that they're probably going to, one of the cards that they're going to play at some point, in order to exterminate a whole bunch of people, most likely through the, through the vaccinations. And I proved that in there. 
but also as an excuse to implement martial law. And um, there's a lot of things I get into there. On There's a section where I, I will say the Illuminati telegraphing their punches prior to cataclysmic events. Because much of the Illuminati is based out of the Kabbalah, which is the highest form of Jewish witchcraft, and they, the Kabbalah code dictates that they warn their enemies in some way, shape, or form prior to their demise. That way they feel empowered, the Kabbalists feel empowered when they see their enemies powerless to stop what's coming. We're not powerless. Just remember that. We're not powerless. On our knees is where we have our greatest power. Crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Being right with the Lord. Confessing your sins. Making sure you're right to God before you go before the throne. I've been hearing a lot lately how in all parts of the country they're, they're just chemtrailing just beyond belief. Okay, If you don't know what chemtrailing is, just do a keyword search. Chemtrails, one word. And then maybe warning the next. You'll find it. I have a whole subsection in my last video I did on Google, on the biological warfare one. I have a whole subsection in there on chemtrails, where I tell people that chemtrails are a conditioning agent for the lungs, whereby to set us up for mass extermination. Remember, the Georgia Guidestones dictate that the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, which is on the Georgia Guidestones in Albert County, Georgia, Dictates the first commandment is to reduce world population to 500 million. Well, when the population is over 6.5 billion, that would require over a 90% reduction in world population right now, currently. That's a lot of people. They want to kill. Now, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ is going to permit them to kill that many prior to the tribulation. I kind of think it's not going to happen to the levels they want it to. But that's what they want. What does the devil want to do? To kill destroy, steal, well, kill. Kill. We're made in God's image. He wants to kill as many of us as we can. He knows he's going to the lake of fire. Misery loves company. He wants to take as many people as he can with him. That's what this whole thing's all about, if you boil it all down. The devil wanting, you know, to take revenge against mankind, which thereby hurts God, he feels. He wants to go after his... Uh, Creation. So, anyway, if you listen to my teachings on this, I'll explain this. How the Illuminati um, will telegraph their punches prior to cataclysmic events. I'll explain to you about the chemtrails. Explain to you how there's certain things you can do for your own immune system to help build up and protect you during those things. Remember, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, I'm not saying rely on a product. But, the Lord has created things and, and um, permitted things to be out there that can help us as well. So, if we go back to this article, um, George Bush, on the other hand, had almost free reign. Remember, this is comparing this to Clinton, when people were much more on guard, conservatives, because they knew that Clinton was a devil, for the most part. But George Bush, because he was a born-again Christian, was able to get away with a lot more because people just fell asleep again. Oh, he's a born-again Christian. He wouldn't never steer us wrong. Give me a break. 
George Bush, on the other hand, had almost free reign, and the Christians and conservatives have either looked the other way or have been Bush's most ardent defenders. Let's face the facts. Neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have anything to offer biblically thinking Christians or constitutionally thinking Americans. Uh, unfortunately, they're all on the same team, ultimately. Just the way it is. I refuse to the vote for the lesser of two evils. C.S. Spurgeon said that when a Christian is faced with the choice between the lesser of two evils, he should do neither. To hold your nose and vote for the lesser of two evils is the epitome of situational ethics. As long as we continue to do so, that one that is the lesser will continue to get worse and worse. It's true. Voting for the lesser of two evils will never stop abortion or same-sex marriage. It will never return our country to the biblical and constitutional foundations. God has called us to live by faith. We don't have to trust our pragmatic way of looking at things and hope for the lesser of two evils. Um, and hope against the hope that we can elect a man that won't quite be as bad as the alternative. As Christians, we are commanded to do what is right, no matter what the perceived outcome may be. It is God who removeth kings and setteth up kings, according to Daniel 2.21. We need to truly pray in faith, believing in his sovereign will of God and trusting that he will do what is best. Stonewall Jackson said, Duty is ours, consequences are God's. As Christians, we need we do not believe in chance. I believe as did Patrick Henry, that there is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations. I would be far more comfortable before God having voted for no one rather than simply picking the lesser of two reprobates just so that I, I could say that I voted. So I, I couldn't really agree more there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop for part four there, and since this is a, we're cutting it short here, I'm going to go to um, start our next next part next and uh, uh, we'll go from there